Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Carlson, we've got the great Dave Burkett back again to talk about the NFL draft. You uh, had to miss the NFL draft, but I'm sure you kept, you know, kept an eye on it from afar. I know you've uh, already written about it. Since the draft happened, you wrote that there's potentially a controversy with the quarterbacks. I think you, you're just trying to will that into existence. That's why you oh, wrote yes. it. <laughs> right. You, you know well, what I mean? More than that, I, I just want to be sure before we start, is this the real Dave Burkett or is this the chat robot AI Dave Burkett, who now is apparently <laughs> outsourcing his columns and his mailbags to chat GPT, right? Well, I was just taking a page out of your work, your uh, work <gasps> page, your workbook there, you know, trying to uh, have someone else do my work for me. So, oh, I love! Oh, no. I love! It. I, I was goofing around, around on AI the other day. And, Dave, uh, let's yeah, like, Dave, let's let's tell the truth here, Dave, for a sec. So, so you and I were in the went Allen Park for a few days, and um, it's great. It's good. And times. at one point, we it, you know we talked about how we missed having Carlos there, and and we did, and um, it just it didn't feel the same. But I did think at one point, Dave. God, I wonder what kind of what what he'd be trying to stir up, what kind of false angle he'd be trying to take if he were here. And the only thing I could think about was, oh, Hendon Hooker should be the starter. And he didn't quite go that far, but uh, uh, it's early. It, it, yeah. He's got a long way to go, I mean, Sean. Hooker can't even walk right now because of his knee. So, it's, it's, so yeah, maybe it's, so maybe that's the only reason he didn't. But uh, in any case, yeah. What uh, what's what's your biggest takeaway? I know Carl's got a lot of questions. What's your biggest takeaway from uh, what Brad Holmes and company just pulled off during the draft? So look, I've I mean, the last couple of days, anytime I run into someone, they've sort of asked me the same question, and and this is the general answer that I've given them. Sorry like, to be so like, original. Yeah, no, I I like the players a lot. You know, like I, I think they got four guys that will help them in some you know way, shape, form, or fashion this year. Um, so I like the players, but I don't think they got great value with their two first round picks. That's just the, how it is in the NFL. You know, the, the running back and linebacker positions are not that valued and, and Brad, you know, he said a couple times this weekend, um, you know, it doesn't match up with the mock drafts and I know people are going to, it, it has nothing to do with matching up with the mock drafts. It has to do with the positional value and just the way linebackers and running backs are viewed in the NFL. And I am not someone who says never draft a running back early. I think Gibbs is a good player. I think he'll fit them. Same thing with Jack Campbell. He should be a starter. Um, but I, you know, I do think you at least have to acknowledge that the value of running backs in today's game and the value of, of inside linebackers. And we can just look at this past week and what's going on in the NFL. Patrick Queen, the Ravens don't pick up his option. Um, Jordan Brooks, the Seahawks don't pick up his option. And I know there's other circumstances there. Um, but, you know, first round linebackers, they don't have their option picked up. Roquan Smith, uh, obviously the, the Ravens paid him instead of Patrick Queen. Roquan Smith, when the Bears traded him to the Ravens, the best linebacker in the NFL, they traded him for a second and fifth round pick. So you're telling me that, um, you know, as, as good as Jack Campbell is, if he becomes Roquan Smith, that's the type of guy that you keep. Or even if you don't keep him, then you're going to get a two and a five for him. And so, you know, that's the value of the position. Good player will help the Lions this year. The Lions are in win now mode. I understand why they, they sort of made these, these moves that they did couple that with it, not being a great draft, um, overall in terms of talent. I think the Lions got four good players who will help them, but, we can't ignore the the value of where they were picked. So are you are are we sure? Are we not sure that John Fox basically said we got to draft Brian Urlacher? Is that what he was kind of getting at? Is that why they brought him in? <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> no, we, need our, again, we got our Mike Ditka. No, not Mike Ditka. Dick Buckus. 
no, but you know, and then this is, this is the other thing too. And look, I'm, I'm, you know, we're talking about this and I'm sort of, it sounds like I'm, you know, don't like the draft. I do. I gave them a B. I, I thought again, that they've got some really four good players at the top and then Hendon Hooker is a worthwhile, you know, lottery ticket to take. Um, scratch but, off scratcher. You, you called him a scratcher scratch off. That's right. But I mean, like you may, maybe he hits, who knows? I don't, I don't, you know, it's a long way off, um, to find out if he does, but, um, no, look, Jack Campbell and Alex Anzalone should be your starting linebackers this fall. And, you know, we talk about all the, the youth that they have on defense and they had these five rookies playing big roles for them. And Malcolm Rodriguez is not going to be out of the rotation by any means, but you know, now he's not a starter anymore. So, and that's how life is in the NFL. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about growth and, and getting more from last year's group and, you know, Rodriguez was one of those guys I would have thought he'd be counting on to take another step forward. And maybe he still does, but now he's going to be blocked on the depth chart by Alex Anzalone and Jack Campbell. You know, and let's just, let's just, let's just tell the truth here. Let's just be real. Dave gave in his column that ran a day or two ago, uh, he gave... Brad Holmes' draft a B. And Dave and Brad Holmes were BFFs. <laughs> They're driving buddies, lunch buddies. They, you know, little pillow talk before the draft, you know. They're, so a, for Dave to give Brad Holmes a B, it's really, in the real world, a C, right? No, I no, mean, no. There's, there's an extra value added there because you're BFF. No, I think if we're being honest about this, okay, and you know this, Carlos, that if you go back and look at the draft grades I've given out for about the last 10 years, they're probably all B's or somewhere right around there. Probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've got to tell our boss to like double check this. Like, yeah, right. you're pulling. But it's not, I've said this a million times and I still get emails that are like, well, you don't like this guy or, you know, this guy sucks. It's not about the player, what that player is going to become because I don't know what the player is going to become. Right. And I, I realize that Brad and his staff have put in thousands of more hours studying these guys than me. Right. They, they know the value of the talent. I like the talent. To me, when I'm grading people on these drafts, it's the use of the resources. Right. And so Absolutely. I don't I don't know, you know, maybe they couldn't have got Gibbs at 18. Talking to his high school coach, his high school coach was saying, ah, we thought he'd be, you know, 23, 25. Really, you know, Gibbs didn't have a lot of people over because he thought he was going day two. So, you know, that whatever. As much as people say maybe they he was going to go 14 or 15, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't have been there at 18. Regardless... The, the resources that you use to draft the running back at 12, um, I don't know. The way the game is, it's just, I understand. Uh, I don't know that the value is there for that. The flip side, I thought Brad did an, an excellent job on day two, moving around the board, picking up extra picks, um, bouncing up, going to get his guy when he needed it. Um, so I, I thought he was he was masterful, you know, making trades on, on day two. Uh, and I didn't quite like the value as much on day one. The only, the only thing I would counter with a little bit um, is just this idea of value. So, and 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 how we think it in a, in a think of it in a, philo- a philosophical sense. And I understand your point about Smith and Chicago and getting a second round, um, second round or fifth rounder for him. But that's what he was valued at the time for that particular team. So I don't know if Jack Campbell's going to be any good or not. Just like you said, that's or Gibbs. But Holmes also said, aside from saying, hey, just because somebody mocks it up, I'm willing to take the heat because we don't align with the mock, 
the real point to me, what he said over the weekend is this isn't a running back. I mean, yeah, he runs the ball, but he's a slot receiver. He's running wheel routes out of the out of the the backfield, right? I mean, he's a receiver. He's we don't know where we're going to put him. More importantly, you don't know where we're going to put him and what's going to happen. He's going to be out there with Montgomery. As far as Campbell. To his point, again, we don't know if this will work or not, but what they're thinking is he's not just a middle linebacker or off-ball linebacker. He's going to connect the front and the back of the defense in a way they, they do not have. And if he can diagnose something and get to somebody a yard short on third and seven in a way that Rodriguez couldn't because he couldn't sniff it out, and you force a punt, and that forced punt leads to a win, and that win leads to a different spot in the playoffs, then that well, how do you associate how do you assign value to that? Sean, when he when when he said when Holmes said that he's a slot running back, did you I'm sure you stepped up and reminded him that the Lions drafted uh Theo Riddick in the sixth round, right? That they could have had a slot receiver and a running back hybrid guy in the sixth round, right? So yeah, much later than the first round. I no, I was thinking about how he led Alabama in receiving yards or catches or whatever it was, how the way they used him at Alabama. And one of the most explosive offense in the in the well, I mean, yeah, because Georgia was probably better balanced than Alabama last year. That's why so many defensive guys went. But from that school, I watched Alabama play. I watched that guy scoot around. He's just he's just different. There, he's not. Um, the, I don't know if it will work at all, but I don't think putting a label a linebacker and a running back on him is tra- is in a traditional way captures what he, they both potentially may be in terms of value. We'll have to see. But how do you put a value on getting a couple of guys that could win them games next year and get into the playoffs? Well, I mean, I, I help agree with, help with you. And, no, no, I, I agree with you on, on some level, right? I mean, it, it, obviously it is about the player. but In a poor draft, like, by the way. Like the player wasn't just about drafting a right tackle with Panay It was about drafting a guy that you thought was going to be a uh, uh, an elite tackle for years to come. So that's the the case with whatever position you pick at whatever spot in the, uh, the, the, the draft. I mean, Brad says he doesn't draft with a depth chart, right? So he's never just drafting a running back or a linebacker or whatever. So it doesn't matter what position that is or where that is. Look, those guys should help the lions. I think Gibbs will be a dynamic player for him. Ultimately, you know, he's going to play 70% of the snaps, maybe at most this year, right? He's going to get, 20 touches a game and you know that's the um you know uh i, I mean i don't even know if he's gonna play 70 percent. that's a lot of snaps right but yeah, like, a lot. you know but if if he's splitting time with david montgomery maybe playing a little bit alongside him um you know that just look the the analytics of it right and this is you know brad talks about right i've always got to have the future in mind well the future in mind is is taking into account positional value and what all that means for your team because it's great. And I, again, I I was of the belief like, hey, man, draft Bijan Robinson in round one. So I'm not saying Gibbs is not worth that sort of pick, but I'm just saying that the the value of that position, the the amount, if you hit on a running back in the first round, right, the amount of cap space that you save, the amount of, of, of dollars that you save, uh, between that and a good running back that's on a veteran contract is significantly less than if you hit on that of a, you know, a pass rusher or an offensive tech or whoever it is versus that of a, you know, a, a player of the same caliber as a vet. So then you extrapolate that, right? The money that you can, that you save there can be used to um, improve other areas of your team. There's, there's just a lot that goes into 
you know, the analytics of why you don't take those positions in the first round. And I'm not saying never do that. I'm not saying I, I even, you know, I, I don't totally disagree with their picks. I'm just saying when I take into account, when I grade these picks and using, um, it, you know, it, it's about the value of what they did with that pick. And so for me, drafting a running back and a linebacker, doing both of those in round one, it just wasn't the value wasn't there for me real quickly carl sorry I, again i i understand a little bit more with campbell and the linebacker because that's they're trying to talk about um communic they're talking about intangible things community i mean obviously the guy he's a very good athlete but they're looking at our secondary stunk our defensive line was young um and we want something to sort of connect all that so they're they're valuing something that's hard to to put metrics on but again i don't think it's fair to call gibbs a running back if they uh, he's not gonna be tyree kill but if they get a, a an athlete a playmaker who's gonna be able to do all this sorts of stuff then how do you even label them and i mean i i would argue you're right more if they'd gone after robinson that well he should and, be tyree he should be tyree kill if you take him at 12 so right no man. or something or something a, a little bit in that direction right i mean that's what they're banking on who knows if it'll work but that's why they did it it's i mean to me i would have been more i would have been more critical if they'd taken robinson because he's it's a, a little better version of montgomery he doesn't he's not gonna stretch the field in a different way like this guy could potentially do well that's what brad had said and i talked to tashard choice who was the running backs coach for both Bijan and jameer gibbs and look you know he said um you know, sort of asked them, right, who was better or kind of to compare the two. And that's exactly what he said. He said, look, they are different. It's whatever your team needs. You know, Bijan is a bell cow. Bijan has, um, you know, game or tackle breaking ability, unlike, you know, anyone that, that he's seen. Uh, Gibbs is, uh, has the, the game breaking speed, um, you know, to, to make plays. They're both really good receivers. Uh, so he said, you know, when, when, um, scouts would ask him about this, that's what he would tell them. Well, it's really, you know, what, what's your team looking for in a position? So I think to your point, Sean Gibbs is a fit for the lions because you can pair him with David Montgomery, right? He's not going to be that guy that you're going to put out there for 22 carries and then throw him five passes. Like he wouldn't hold up, you know, uh, to that sort of pounding in the NFL. So he adds a lot of value to the lions. Um, and it will be interesting to see how they use him, right? If it's, him and Montgomery and Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams, if, if that's the group that's on the field, the skill group, like all of a sudden you're like, okay, there's some speed on the field. And, and, you know, Amon's a, you know, Amon Ross a really good player. And, and how do you line these guys up? How do you deploy them? But, um, you know, uh, he's also going to be a rookie. So we'll, we'll see exactly uh, how much they put on his plate and they ask him to do in, in the various, you know, roles that he could play. Uh, thanks for thanks for benching Marvin Jones. By the way, it's a good good move. Bro. But Marvin will be in the mix too. I'm just saying, you know, when you got your best your best five out there late in the season, you're looking for someone to to um, you know make some plays right for the offense to to make a difference. Um, you know, I mean, Jameer should be playing at that point in time, and and uh, you'd expect that uh, you know Jameson by that point would be back and, and be a big play contributor for them too. Do you think it? Do you think it made any? little bit of an impact or a little bit of a impact of their decision just a little bit that JMO is going to miss the first six games that we got to get somebody uh, make sure we have uh, another pass catcher in the backfield there or available in the slot. I don't not at 12. I mean, that's a pick that you're making for four or five years, you know, six years, eight years, whatever it may be. 
you know, running back probably you're making for the next four or five years. Um, I don't think just because you're missing six games with Jamison that you are making a, you know, that's, that's altering your decision on who you're going to take at that point in time. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I think they, they had to factor all that in Jamison's suspension, um, to their draft strategy, right? You needed someone to, to, to help fill his loss, but, I think they loved Gibbs irrespective of that and were, you know, looking to take him high even before the, the suspension came about. By the way, that listener, that 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 sound of uh That's right. I was trying to mute kitchens, it right there. Uh, the dishes, talking, uh, so. That sound in the background is Dave's lovely family. I assume the kids just got home. But uh, no, that that's that's just ambiance, right, Carlos? My wife took Jack. Jack has his first communion Saturday, so she took him to get his hair cut. So they just came back and, and came in the door. And so that's the, the background noise that you, you, do you hear right God there. Care, so. Do you think God cares if we cut our hair? <laughs> probably not. But, you know, I think when you look back on the pictures years from now, right, you probably are like, man, look at my hair. I, look, why didn't I get a haircut then? Or look what I, look how I was rocking the, uh, the fade back then. Sean, right? Sean doesn't good. have to worry about that anymore. Maybe he wants to look no, good for the second grade girls. You know? I, he, I, wants to, he wants to show off a little bit. Yeah, I, I love looking back Not at you, photos. Not you, my son, that is. Hair. No, I knew you, man. Yeah, no, I knew you, man. We're, we're going to have to erase this, erase this whole podcast. Right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, uh, I love looking back at myself uh, when I was a little little tyke with some hair. I mean, Carl's has been blessed with a, a nice head of hair all his life, but, uh, you know, not all of us have been. You know, uh, I've got mine cut right now, but sometimes you just got to grow the lettuce out, right? The stage just show people you can, Carlos, right? I mean, that's, that's right. It's a flex. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, right? Yeah. No, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would if I could. I mean, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. I used to have Rick Ocasek hair. It's not that I want to date this podcast any more than we already have. But, I don't uh, know who that is. Yeah, he was the lead singer of the Cars, and he had sort of a mullety top, you know, short, spiky in the front. Mine's never was spiky, but long in the back. It wasn't quite a mullet, but it was just, you know, an 80s do with a flannel shirt. and You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was me back then. All right. Let's uh, let's pick through uh, when we when we take a break. Let's take a break and let's pick through when we get back a little bit of just the, the offenses versus defensive philosophy. And, and did you think they went after defense enough? I know Carlos has some thoughts on that. And uh, we'll get back more. Uh, we'll get back here in a, in a, in a quick segment with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, you, you've got some thoughts on, I don't know how strong of thoughts they are. There, Maybe they're just more questions, right? You're, you're curious did, uh, if the Lions were aggressive enough in going after defensive players in the draft. And um, and we want to get Dave's thoughts here. But am I putting words in your mouth or is, is that, is no. that uh, inaccurate? No, you know what? It was interesting because I, I was watching the draft from afar and um, – and watching it from afar, you get more of a sense of what the fan reaction is to all this. Because when you're there in Allen Park in the, you know, in the fog of war and the weeds and the picture coming fast and furious and trades and all, you, you don't pay attention to that as much. But reading it like a fan away, uh, people hated these picks. You know, they hated the running back pick and they really hated the Jack Campbell pick. Um, and I think Dave got to it. And I, I think everybody assumed that were, they were going to 
considering how bad their defense was, and, and as you pointed out correctly, Sean, their defense did improve in the second half of the season, the last 10 games, um, but it still needs help, even after free agency. Uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave is showing us on, on our camera his son Jack's haircut. So he looks like a, he looks like a mini-me, unfortunately. Um, that's true. That's true. I'm probably better looking but uh, and smarter, but he looks like a mini-me. Ouch, um, that one hurts. But, he, but Dave pointed out in this column how, you know, they had the chance to draft guys like Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson uh, at six, and they didn't. Um, and I think that's what people were expecting. I thought they would do that. I thought they would pay, use their first pick on one of these more elite, higher value guys, right? Defensive linemen, edge rushers, that kind of thing. Defensive tackle. There's still a lot of questions there. Um, you know, to me, it seems like, uh, you know, a slot receiver, running back, hybrid, scat back guy, whatever, at 12 is kind of a luxury. And, and Jack Campbell, nobody's ever heard of this guy, and he's the whatever, you know, 18th pick. I mean, it's like, that's that's kind of nutty. Um, so wait, 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 wait. You can't say no one's ever heard of the best no, linebacker it, it, in the Big Ten. Don't even, don't even, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say <laughs> that, Dave. Dave, I don't know what to say that, I really don't. <laughs> But you see nationally, you, nationally, people have heard of yes, Jack Campbell. He was, now, he was now, still around. I know about him. Yeah, I, even I, if you didn't think he was the best linebacker in the draft, like it was a very small group of three linebackers up there, and he was widely, widely, widely considered one of them. He was a really good player this year. So, well, he can he can be great for the '85 Bears, then I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's a, was, I was know, that, Sean? This is that was good. Call. I, that was a good pick. Their Dave, first defensive see, player they what, take. Do you see a traditional off the ball linebacker? Dave, do you see what my Wednesdays are like? I mean, uh, seriously. Did you like to see? Listen, <laughs> I'm going to play both sides of this, right? Because oh, yeah. Now I feel bad that I was like arguing with Sean a little bit about the value of these positions in round one because it is, it's true, the value. But the players themselves are really good players, and that includes Jack Campbell. Like, he was a really good player for Iowa. He did, I mean, he was the, Iowa had a pretty darn good defense this year, right? And he was the best player on that defense. It wasn't Lucas Van Ness another first-round pick. It was him. It wasn't Kayvon Merriweather, safety from Detroit here, who, who you know got drafted as well. It was it was Jack Campbell. Jack's a really good player. So I, I like the player, but the use of the resource, you know, I I don't know. I, I After Jack Campbell went 18, the next inside linebacker, off-the-ball linebacker, went in the third round. So that's my, that's my, that's where my, you know, dislike of the pick comes in, not with the player itself. I think he's a good player. To your point, Carlos, about the Lions maybe shooting should have having to, you know, draft more defense. You know, I look ultimately this draft will be judged by like, okay, they passed on Jalen Carter at six and I, I don't think they should have taken him. He wasn't the right fit for them, but if he becomes a, if he's Randy Moss, right. If they pass on Randy Moss for Terry fair, then that will always be remembered. If um, same thing, if Tyree Wilson and, you know, maybe he had, you know, the, the medical issues that, that dropped him down some boards. If he becomes a really good player, it's the same concept. Like, wow, I mean, you could have had Hutch and, and Wilson on, on the end. So um, this draft will always be, uh, you know, the players that the Lions pick will always be compared to, to those guys. But um, as I went into the draft after that Jamison suspension, you know, I thought that as you looked at what the Lions had and didn't have on their offensive side of the ball, like, they looked a little thin at receiver without Jameson and they didn't really have a proven tight end. And so um, there were a lot of, you know, there, 
there were and, and maybe still are some questions on offense. And as as bright as I think Ben Johnson is and as good as this offense was last year, um, I think, you know, it was wise to replenish, you know, some of the uh, the skill positions that they had on that side of the ball to make sure that they stay one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's talking about making a, a strength even stronger, right? I mean, that's, that yeah, makes exactly. sense. That's part level. of it. But that, when that, you know, I think everybody saw this defense enough and, and there are, there are going to be big questions, you know, still about this defense. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, and, and I don't know. I mean, the, we, I think we've talked about this before, but you know, the politics of Ben Johnson coming back and staying back and Hey man, we're going to, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're going to give you what you need or what you want or whatever. You know, I mean, they, they definitely had a focus on offense of, I'm sure Ben Johnson had a say in who he preferred and who he liked and how he could use them. Um, so that should be that, that you can understand why that would work. Right. I mean, let's, let's, let's continue to be good doing what we've been good doing. That's our strength of our team. Let's make sure we don't drop off. And especially when you lose, uh, Jamal Williams. And then obviously, you know, Drowner Sift was not going to be in the plans. Um, so, you know, you know, they could have also just, you know, kept uh tj hawkinson but whatever um so you're creating problems sometimes for yourself but uh yeah they they're making sure that they don't have holes and deficiencies so it makes sense but on defense how who's who's inspired right now about what's happening on that defense you know you know there was a an article in the ringer and i forget who wrote it so i apologize but he said essentially what you're saying that you know you traded Laporta for Hawkinson, basically. And you traded Swift for Gibbs. And so where are the Lions better offensively? They're the same. They're younger, but they're the same as as they were. And I I get that line of thinking. But, you know, look, DeAndre Swift played sparingly because of injuries, right? He couldn't stay on the field. Gibbs, younger, more dynamic at this point, you would think. Um, I, I, I think that's a, an upgrade, you know, Hawkinson better tight end than Laporta right now, but the Lions certainly like his, his receiving upside and the dimension that he can bring split out from that, that line. So, um, you know, I, I think it is, it's sort of like Brad had said when they drafted Panay, you know, and, and he even repeated it this year, right. That sometimes it's, you know, you want to feed the beast, right. If, if you have something really good going, you want to make it stronger. You want to make sure that it doesn't slack off. And I, I do think that's part of it with this offense is that, Hey, Part of our, our identity right now is this really dynamic offense that can do a lot of things. We can run the ball well. We're really good at play action. We add these guys who can help us. You know, that tight end, just think of how you use tight ends, right? Fakes a block. He's going out in the flat and he's catching a pass that he turns into a 20-yard gain, right? Same thing with with Gibbs, the speed and the playmaking ability that he has and how that fits into, you know, some of this play action game that they have. Um I do think the Lions were conscious of making sure that they they keep you know the main thing the main thing and and keep that that offense humming. Well, so a, a counterpoint to the and I saw the article in the Ringer, and I understand the thinking, but it's it's, it's a little more um, there's more nuance to it, and some of it's not some of it's not nuance. It's it's right there in black and white. They didn't trade Swift for for Gibbs. They traded Swift for Gibbs and Laporta. Right. In, in, in essence, you know, you move from six to 12, you get the extra pick. And so not only that, at Hawkinson for Laporto, they were going to have to pay Hawkinson to keep him after this year. And yeah, money's a factor there. So at a, probably a decent amount. So now they got him on, they got both the guys on a rookie deal, but you especially got 
um, Laporta on a rookie deal. And if he is just as productive as Hawkinson, we don't know if he will be. And if he is, let's say they make a run and they get into the playoffs and win a game or lose their first game or whatever. And okay, okay, that's a good, that's a successful season. Now we need to go out and spend more money. Well, you know, we've got production at the tight end and however many extra millions of dollars now against the salary cap. So to me, there's a little bit of roster building in terms of financial stuff too. Not only did they get faster with both those positions, they upgraded the speed at the running back and the, the slot, whatever, and the tight end. They're going to save some money. So if they say, okay, hey, you know, we do need another edge. It's hard to get really good edge guys, but, you know, another tackle, whatever. Um, we need to replenish because some of the backfield guys we just got, defensive backfield guys we just got are on, on short-term deals, and we want to do some more there. Then we have the flexibility to do there. So to me, they're thinking short-term and long-term with what they just did. Well, yeah, and I mean, Branch would be the natural, you know, player that takes over right. for CJ Gardner Johnson, right? So, yeah, right. yeah, there there is some long term planning there, but that's all the more reason why the positional value comes into play in round one. For me. I don't. Do, yeah, do you, for you me, know if they're, good, if they're good players? They're good players. Yeah, like T.J. Hawkinson, two time Pro Bowler. I, I I still don't understand the Hawkinson thing. Like, why not pay him? Why not? He could have helped you last year, you know, and he could help you this year. I mean, like, why well, don't understand what what why they needed to get rid of him. I mean, obviously there was something there. Uh, did he not fulfill all of, you know, the requirements that Ben Johnson had? And uh, I don't understand why you, why you let a good player go who has, who's good friends with your quarterback, by the way, and have good, they have good chemistry. Well, I mean, I think, look, um, you know, I think the, the common theory in the NFL, right, is that the way the salary cap is structured you have the money, the potential to pay, you know, six to eight to 10 guys, right? Like, like high level contracts based on their position, just, um, and it depends on what your, your quarterback is making. Right. And if your quarterback is top of the line and has a huge, huge cap number, you're probably paying, you know, six to eight. And if he doesn't, you know, maybe you're paying eight to 10. And so when you look at the lions roster, okay. Uh, they're paying Decker and Ragnar pretty good contracts. They're going to have to give Sewell a new deal here in a year. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown's another one, right? Uh, defensive end, in theory, you're going to have to pay Hutchinson. I mean, you know, so you start sort of going down the list, right? You want to pay a top cornerback. Let's just take the Lions out of it. A top cornerback, a top defensive end, you know, one or two linemen, your best receiver, your quarterback. I mean, all of a sudden, there's your six, seven, eight guys. And so... Um, unless that tight end is the elite of the elite, Kelsey. unless that linebacker is the elite of the elite, unless that running back is the elite of the elite, that's that's part of the reason, again, why this positional value comes into play. And so from the Lions with, with Hawkinson specifically, um, I think you know the the thought was that he was a good player, but he wasn't a great player. And so... Two-time Pro Bowler. Well, one of them was this how many, year. And, how, many, and, how many Pro Bowlers do they have on their team? Okay. I mean, how many people make the Pro Bowl too nowadays, right? So I, I wouldn't use that as the elite of the elite. He's not Kelsey. I mean, that's just the fact he was a good player, but I don't know that he was a great player. And so I think ultimately, especially where the Lions were at the time, they were two and six or whatever they were at the time, right? Um, you make the trade, you get the future assets, you don't have to lock him up. And part of it might have been, hey, man, we knew it was going to be a really good tight end class this year and we're going to draft one. And they did. And so they got a, a reasonable facsimile of him. And now we'll, we'll find out what he does on the field. Although Brad Holmes said that it didn't matter what the record was. He was going to trade Hawkinson no matter what. He did say that. Yep. And we have to believe <laughs> everything he says. Sean believes everything he says. 
Uh, no, I, I don't know. Until until they prove otherwise, right? Until he starts mismanaging this into the ground, I don't know, right? Yeah. Well, deserve the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, I brought this up before, and in that Carolina game, you know, they didn't have T.J. Hawkinson for that game, and they lost. That was the yeah, game because they couldn't stop the run. They yeah, but they could have <laughs> used they could have used T.J. Hawkinson to, they to score use more a, points. They, they could have used that Jack same Campbell. Day, TJ Hawkinson had 100 yards and two touchdowns for the Vikings. Could have used Bro, that. So he's, Dave, you need to help me out here again. Wow, it's <laughs> just, defense it's, is going to do the job. You got to do, do more on offense. It, I thought yeah, I was just going to come here and, and refute that Hendon Hooker started the quarterback controversy, and then we got into Jack Campbell. No, no we haven't even got to that. I don't want to so. get to that because it's just going to make my head hurt. But uh, but go ahead. <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on Carlos semi trolling with Hendon Hooker? It's like he couldn't <laughs> wait to get his hands into the draft. Yeah, he was like, what is, let's see, quarter, oh, yeah, quarterback controversy. Let's roll yeah. with that. Oh, I have been this. waiting for them to draft. Hey, you guys know that, you know, Stafford and I were BFFs, but still, I was a little critical of him once in a while. So I've been waiting for them to draft a quarterback. And that's why I would, I actually, I would give Brad Holmes, tell him next time you talk to him tonight or whatever, tell him, like, I would have given him a B just for drafting Hendon Hooker. So thank you. Thank you, Brad. I really appreciate it. Okay. So everyone out there who thinks, believes Carlos is, you know, the Alliance have a quarterback controversy right now. I just Which want is you to no remember. One. Right. I just Not want right you now. To remember it could be this year, but it could be next year. It's going to happen. That Carlos if they keep was golf. the guy who said they should start Jake Rudock over Matthew Stafford. So wanted to see that happen. Look, the it, like I like the hooker. Pick, I don't even know what to say to that. I don't even know what to say to that. I'd forgotten that. <laughs> I Why did you put that back in my mind? Why did you have to put that back in my mind? I like Jake. Mind? Jake was oh, a good guy. Goodness. It's probably just because uh, I like Jake more. You know, you know Car- Carlos was talking about uh, Carlos was talking about um, a Twitter, the Twitter blue check, and having some fun with that. And I thought, oh yeah, that's great. Wonder, you know, maybe write something kind of like an old Bob, not a Bob Talbert, but you know, an old fashioned kind of humor column. I'm like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the ticket, right? Leave Hendon Hooker to Dave. <laughs> All right, Hendon Hooker. Look, good. I mean, had a really good year at Tennessee, right? I mean, before he got injured, he was the leader leader for the Heisman Trophy. Okay, and and I think he was a, a great value for the Lions in round three. You don't have a backup. Um, you know, developmental guy needs right came from an offense in Tennessee that just is not conducive to immediate success in the NFL. So he has a lot to learn. Here's the here's the problem with your theory and other people's theory that Hendon Hooker is the guy that's going to replace Jared Goff. Maybe it happens, but the Lions are going to be pretty good this year, right? If or we think they are, and if they're that good, you know, they're not turning the the reins over in 2024 to some young quarterback who's never thrown a meaningful pass in the NFL. He's not going to play in the preseason, just like the Lions did with Jamison Williams last year, in all likelihood. So for the Lions, at some point, they're going to have to make a decision on whether to pay Jared Goff or not to keep rolling forward with him as their, their quarterback. And whether that's in the next two months, which I wouldn't do that if I was the Lions, whether it's you know a, a year from now, which then you're coming off a playoff appearance, maybe a playoff win. Who knows? If you have any sort of success, you're probably not walking away from Jared Goff at that that point in time. So you have to make the decision on Hendon Hooker as being your quarterback of the future or Jared Goff essentially not being your quarterback of the future without having Hendon Hooker, without having seen him make a meaningful pass, play a meaningful snap, even in a preseason game because of where he's at in his recovery from a knee injury. So Hendon Hooker right now is 
100% of developmental backup. There's more upside than your typical backup because of who he is and the success that he had. But um, I think it would be a stretch right now to say that Hendon Hooker is the heir apparent or the next in line or there's this pending quarterback controversy because by the time he sees the field for the first time, you're in all likelihood having extended Jared Goff already because of the success that he had, the Lions had this season. If he doesn't have the success, hey, all bets are off. And that's where the lottery ticket come in, comes into play that, you know, that's a worthwhile gamble because you got somebody with more upside than your typical backup. But if you just think out the, uh, you know, how things play out in the NFL and what could happen this fall, I think there's a high likelihood that the Lions extend Jared Goff before the 2024 season. How long do you think they would give him? What kind of contract? Three year, four year? I think you probably, yeah, you're talking four years, I don't know, $180 million. I mean, $45 million a season. Just That's just a random you know, guess. I mean, that's where the, he's not going to get. And this is the other thing when people talk about, well, we, you know, there's this risk in waiting to pay Jared Goff right now. Maybe because the value could always go up. And if the Lions have a really, really good season, you know, he commands more money. But to me, I don't, I don't know that. And look again, just like Brad and those guys know the draft better than us. They know the market of these guys better than us. But I don't see Jared Goff topping uh, Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts or Justin Herbert when it comes to contractual value. And so if Justin Herbert is going to be the low man on that, that, you know, totem pole right there with $50 million annually, to me, Jared Goff's value is going to be less than $50 million, whether he signs that contract now or in the future, you know, a year from now. And so from the Lions standpoint, if you wait a year, you have a little bit more insurance built in that, okay, this wasn't a one-year thing for Jared Goff. Um, we had success in the second season. We made the playoffs. Now we're willing to spend a little bit of money to give him a contract. And Jared Goff isn't going to sign a deal that's like a two-year deal. You know what I mean? Like he's 28 years old. So he's going to get paid. And he should get paid if he has another good season. So um, the hooker pick, I like it. I think there's a lot of merit to taking him where they took him and having him as your insurance in case something happens with Jared and having a good backup and maybe having some trade value down the road. But I only see him as the heir apparent worst case scenario of something, you know, if Jared has a, a really bad year this year or if things, you know, don't go according to plan, he gets hurt, whatever the case may be. I really think that's about the only, only circumstance in which Hendon Hooker becomes the Lions, you know, guy, because if Jared wins, why are you going to go away from him? I um look, we need to we need to take another break, but before we do, I just I, I hope we've done a few things here. I think we've made everybody happy. Dave laid out the rational reasons behind the pick and what's actually gonna happen and you know, a couple of possibilities. Carlos got to have his fun. Jump <laughs> jump jump back in and uh you know, and the and the listeners benefit, right? So I think uh I think that's not so bad, I would say. The, the problem with Dave's theory, though, it's it always sounds great, but he talks in black and white absolutes. Goff's going to have a good year or he's not going to have – it's going to be great. It's going to be some good, but some struggles. And some – he's going to go back to, you know, being the Jared Goff we've seen for a long time. And, you know, it's it's usually not just immediate – like amazing 16 – 17 games of amazingness or 17 games of terribleness. And we – it's going to be a little shades of gray. And uh, he threw weird picks and made some weird decisions. And, <laughs> you know, and the, the whole question with that, with, with Hooker, is – how soon do the Lions want to have him out there? Because he's going to be one to push 
his agent's going to want to push to see, get him on the field and have him play. You know, you can tell he already wants to do that. So how much do they, you know, basically try to redshirt him or say, no, we need to develop this guy, bring him along, see what he has, start taking over as the, you know, as a scout team guy. And, and if Goff does struggle, you know, and hey, I hate to say it, but you know, Dave, you're probably going to write something when he's when he's off NFI and he can start practicing and the clock starts and when can he start playing a game? And that's going to be big news. People are going to be excited about a potential dynamic. We've never had a dynamic uh, quarterback like him, you know, with the Lions. And Jared Goff is about as interesting as Dale Bread, you know, exciting as a player, you know. So unfortunately, I like hey, I like Goff. I you know I, I respect what he's done and. And everything, but uh, you know, the new shiny thing is always the interesting thing, and and fans are excited, I think, about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Lions can't control the narrative to a certain extent. I know. But you also, take a break. one last thing. One last thing is uh, the whole the whole um, contract extension. It's exactly what Lions fans think. They'll extend them for two years. No, it's going to be a three four year deal probably. And I don't think any yeah. Lions fans who their last name isn't Goff probably want to see him have a four-year extension so that that's so to, the, real quick before you take this break um i threw a lot of ifs in there because i 100 know that jared goff is not guaranteed to have that sort of season if he does he's the guy <laughs> if he doesn't that's why you have hooker but that's why hooker's the the lotto ticket okay um point two i don't uh, point two jared Go- uh, i'm sorry hendon hooker's knee injury was six seven weeks before Jamison Williams, eight weeks. It wasn't quite yeah. two months, whatever it was, right? It was mm-hmm. the surgery was about eight weeks, six, six, seven, eight weeks, somewhere in that neighborhood. It was end of November. Jamison's was mid-January. So you just back Jamison's timetable up. I know all injuries are different, but you're looking at beginning of October before he's ready. The Lions aren't gonna rush him out there in August to play him in preseason games. I would be stunned if they did no. that. No. I mean, Jamison's doctor last year was like, oh, he's ready. You know, he'll be ready this summer for training camp. Lions were like, no, no, no. Long-term view here. We're going to wait till November, get him ready, basically redshirt him, get him a few snaps so he's ready for this year. Hendon Hooker, you can do the redshirt part, but you can't get him a few snaps, really. You right. got to do that in training camp, and that's probably not going to happen this summer. Yeah. Thanks for the logic. Uh, with that, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. It's that time of the show. I think uh, we need to start the my favorite thing. And uh, we always love it when Dave's here to participate in this. And Dave's can be, I don't know, having his pal bring him a Frosty, for example. <laughs> Did uh, that actually the, happen? I missed it. Draft. You missed it 100%, Carlos. Sean came. He even asked me, he's like, you want a Frosty? I was like, no, no, I'm okay. And then he went out and got one anyway. <laughs> Did he and, go uh, all the way to get I think it the and night come back it? Yeah, I got, cookie I, from that like gas station got, cookie, right? <laughs> Yeah, I got him an oatmeal gas station cookie. Oatmeal raisin <laughs> gas station cookie. I was sick for take, three days after, but not going to take care of the uh, <laughs> take care of the workhorse, you know. Got to take care of the paper's uh, star. And you heard it. Well, Elvis, you just you just exactly, you heard it. The, the logic he laid out there, the the kindness, the gentle touch he has with Carlos when he, you know, when Carlos is you know whatever. <laughs> all the all the butt it's, covering it's, if this, if that, it could happen, maybe uh, so it's great. You heard, the stunt, 
You're the subtle way Dave said, and then if that happens in October, Carlos, then you can write your controversy. <laughs> yeah. Just it, it, it sounded like a second grade teacher. I, I thought that was really, really kind. Really, it's a nice soft touch. Mm-hmm. But uh, in any case, who wants to start with my favorite thing? Carlos can go because I always got to think of one on the fly. Yeah, go ahead, Carlos. All right. My favorite thing was uh, last week, even though I missed the draft and I was thinking about you guys and, you know, doing all the heavy lifting. Well, Dave, you were doing the heavy lifting. Sean was just there. But, uh, you know, Tony Garcia was working hard. You were working hard. Jeff Seidel's working hard. Everybody on the desk and Sean was there. Uh, so I missed it. It was the first time, I think, since 2005 that I'd missed it. Um, but it reminded me that and my, uh, my unfortunate LA Kings who lost to Sean's Edmonton Oilers in six games. Uh, as you guys know, I was going through a, a, you know, personal struggle last week. That's why I was, uh, you know, on the bench. Um, but it reminded me of how much, uh, what a, what a nice, um, respite, uh, sports gives us in our lives from, you know, when we're struggling and, with other things. And I couldn't believe how angry I was about the hockey playoffs and how interesting it was to read what you guys were writing and the grades and the, the analysis and Dave getting all the free miles by dry, uh, flying out to Kansas city for the draft. I felt so good for him. Unfortunately, I don't think he got a bump uh, that kind of bumped me out, but, um, but it was always, it's, we don't get to experience these big moments enough as sports writers, you know, being a fan, um, anymore. Uh, so it was kind of a weird, you know, circumstance to be in, but, uh, I really enjoyed all the work you guys did. And, um, and, uh, Sean next year, I think my, my Kings might take on your, might finally be good enough to beat your Connor McDavid led Oilers. Uh, we should have done it this year, but, uh, as they say, as they say in lion's land, there's always next year. (laughs) So, uh, that was my favorite thing. Carlos, for, we missed you while you were gone. Uh, glad that you're back. Uh, you know we're always here if you need anything. Uh, Sean, appreciate the work being out there last week, even though Carlos uh, doesn't believe it happened. You know the readers uh, can't, the viewers can't see it, but I think he did air quotes when he said work. But go ahead. <laughs> what was it? Three the, columns, Sean. Three columns. All the crew. Tony Garcia was out there yeah. helping out. Yeah. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. Um, three, but no, three my, columns uh, in three days. Is, uh, uh, maybe one day you'll you'll do that. I don't know if you ever will. But three, three columns. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Columns Sorry, three Dave. days. Yeah. Um, I w- I was just going to say my favorite thing, and and this is very broad, but just perspective, man. Like, um, you know, I I went out to lunch with my uh, my friend Brian Hedger the other day. Uh, Carlos, I think you you know Brian covers oh, yeah. the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we went to college together a long long time ago. He was up here moving his daughter out of the dorm at Michigan state for her freshman year. And Carlos, you just went through something similar with, with your daughters just finished up their freshman year. And man, like it, I mean, it just hit me a, how old I am B, you know, like how, how, how much we have to enjoy, you know, the, uh, the time that we have with our kids and, you know, the people that are, are close to us because, uh, how fast it flies by. And I am not anywhere near there yet. My daughter just uh, she's going to high school next year. She went and took like the placement tests for her high school to figure out what classes, you know, she'll have the other day, my son, second grade, but, um, just kind of talking with, with, with hedge sitting down for breakfast as we're sitting here talking, thinking about you being this, in the same spot, Carlos, um, it's just, everyone should appreciate, man, the time that they have with their, their kids and those close to them because it flies. And, uh, it just, it, it goes without saying that, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll miss them when you're gone or you, maybe we don't always value the moments that we have. 
but so if you can take some time and just have some perspective on, on exactly that life, uh, that's a, a really good thing. That's nicely said. You no, know, I absolutely, absolutely right. Um, it does go by quickly and you never know when it's not going to be there or somebody's not going to be there. And, uh, you know, my favorite thing, and it's a weird thing to say, my favorite thing, but I, I just, it's nice to have Carlos back. We, we missed him during the draft. We joke, we kid about, you know, Carlos and his, his opinions and his, whether, whether he actually knows anything about sports or not, that's another topic. That's a, probably a different podcast, but we joke about that. But the fact is Carlos is, is, a, a kind hearted soul and he's smart and engaging and he can really write. And, um, uh, the opinions are a different story, but no, but it, it, I suspect that all of, some of those qualities come from his father. And, and when Carl was talking about a personal struggle, that that's, I, I'm not sure that's the, uh, that's not the phrase I would use, but, uh, I, I'm going to say this because you put this on Facebook, Carl, so it's public, but you, your, your father died last week and that's where you were. You were tending to your, with your family going through that. And, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, we, we, we thought a lot about you and Dave and I talked about it. I talked about it with a couple other people there. Just, it was not the same. And, um, you know, you were talking about how you hadn't been there since 2005. I, I would suspect, uh, your pops have been pretty, pretty proud, right? That you were there all those years, year after year after year, grinding through to the point when you, when you're not there, there are a lot of people that feel your absence because that says something about who you are. And my guess again is that, you know, that's part of who your father was. I mean, you, you have the same name, right? And, yeah, uh, Winners, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, there's, 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 there's the way, did your dad, I, I wish I'd uh, had the chance to, the privilege of meeting your pop. Did, did he have the same wit? Yeah, he was a smart ass. Uh, he had he, he was he wasn't a smart ass. He was more of a he had my mom always said he had like a dark humor, black humor. Um, I didn't have eh, I guess that's cynicism in some way. But uh, yeah, he was kind of a joke. <laughs> you don't have any of that, Carlos. None no of it. No, it's, a, to no. it's a dry wit. Mine is a dry wit that Sean doesn't think is funny. No, no, I you know, I do. I do. I do think it's funny as long as it's, you know, not always related to the 1980s yeah i mean it's uh it's uh it's uh as long as it's forward thinking no i'm just kidding no but in in, in all seriousness though it's uh it's nice to have you back um yeah we, uh, we we know what that's like but to dave's point and to what you're feeling right now carlos i've been through it with both my mom and my pop um yeah it's uh it's something to to savor because you don't know you just you just don't and, uh, you know, whether it's your kid moving off to college or having to say goodbye to a parent, it's, uh, it's, it's worth picking up the phone, texting. I mean, Carl, she probably still have a rotary phone, I would imagine, and, um, and make those kind of calls that way. But, but in any case, we, we felt you, uh, your absence, we felt your absence and we're glad you're back. And, uh, that would be my favorite thing that you're here talking with us again. Oh, thank you. So if you, are in Allen Park anytime soon? I'll get you a frosty too. <laughs> I'm with the, with the frosty tag that we gave him four years ago that he just drove home with. Him, didn't <laughs> it's nice no. that uh, I'm lactose intolerant that you're offering that to me, Sean. So I appreciate well, no, it. You're not. You're not lactose intolerant. You just think you are. You know, it's a tricks. It's a trick. Some. It's this like is, a. This is. I hope Mike Ulrich right now, if if he's listening, he just spit up his food or whatever he is. Like Sean Windsor is telling me what I really am. That's that's. Nah, that's it's a, a trick somebody pulled on you, and uh, because they want you to drink oat milk. 
<laughs> I, think, I think that's all it is. No, no. I, I'll bring you a cookie. Gas station cookie, please. Yes. Yeah, a gas station cookie. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Dave, for joining us, for taking the time. It's good to have you back, Carlos. Uh, who do we need to thank, sir? My son's barber. Okay, let's think, thank uh, son's Jack barber. Riquette's barber for making him look twice as good as his dad. Um, he has the same haircut. Why don't you just use the clippers? Like you take about three seconds to cut your own hair. So it's true. We usually do, but this was communion, so kind of had to farm this one out. Just yeah. right. Okay. Uh, let's thank uh, producer Robin Chan, who puts up with all his foolishness and uh, has to do the real work uh, that neither Sean nor I nor Dave really do. Uh, and we have to thank executive editor Kirk and Crawford. And I guess Anjanette's also an executive editor. I've, I've forgotten the titles now, but she's our interim editor, Anjanette Delgado. But mostly, Sean, we have to thank the listener. And where do we find the Where can the listener find the, the podcast? Well, we assume they've found it if they're listening to us, but I, we don't want to make those kind of dry wit, uh, a Carlos-esque dry wit. Is that senior or junior? Um, humor. But uh, no, no, no. You find us at Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your favorite podcast. When you get there, rate us, subscribe, tell us what you think, whether it's positive, negative. We'd love to hear it. Carlos especially loves hearing the negative stuff. It kind of, it fuels them. You know, it's like a... Um, I don't know, right? It's 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 it like an elf. Me. It's like yeah. an elf. The the Santa sleigh needed this Christmas carol singing. You need the trolling from uh, and the negativity <laughs> from the fans to lift yes. your spirit. I think it's a I think it's a nice metaphor there. Yeah, Sean's burner Analogy. account usually Analogy. takes care of that. Yeah, no, I I think that's great that you think that no reader out there could figure out on their own that you are maybe not exactly on the point here. That it's all me writing burner accounts. That's great. All right, look, until next week, right, Carlos? Yes. And hopefully hopefully Dave again soon because, you know, football's really all season long with the NFL. Until then, uh, when we are back. Schedule release in two weeks. All right, then we'll have you back. There we go. We'll talk about the schedule and uh, and where Dave's going to travel. That'd be, that'd be great. All right. <laughs> we will be back uh, next week with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Thanks for listening.